Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, joining me in studio now is Brett Jensen. He is, uh, is it the senior reporter? Did they I give you the so. senior title? Okay. Well, for the longest time, it was the only reporter, so I just added the title. You just added the senior. I did, back in the day, yeah, and yeah. I was like, and it kind of stuck, so I just kept senior reporter. So, there you go. Yeah. Senior reporter, WBT News Center, also the host of his very own program here on WBT, uh, Breaking with Brett Jensen. It's Brett Jensen. Um, so... Fresh off of his uh, foray into North Carolina Republican Party politics at the convention up in Greensboro. And uh, you played last night on your show, at uh, which starts at 7 o'clock on WBT. Um, you played last night on your program the interview that you did with Trisha Cotham. She is the Democrat state lawmaker who uh, became a Republican. And uh, she was very much celebrated by the Republicans, you could tell in the interview, I'm not going to play, the, I just pulled a couple of sound bites, but um, if people want to hear the entire interview, you can go get the podcast. It's at WBT.com uh, and just uh, the shows are up there and you can get the podcast and it's free and comes right to your smartphone or tablet. And so you can hear the whole thing there from last night. Um, so first off, it definitely seemed like Trisha liked, she felt appreciated. Let me just say it that way. It seemed like she felt appreciated by the Republicans. Is that fair? No, I think that's 100% fair. And I told her this privately after she agreed to do the interview. And I wasn't sure she was going to do it. And I didn't get it until, I'm not joking, 30 minutes before I left to come back to Charlotte. I got it at like around 11 o'clock at night, 11, you know, 1030, somewhere around there, 1045 at night on a Saturday. Didn't get back to Charlotte till 130 in the morning. But I told her when we were done, I said, you look a lot better physically than you did when I saw you in April when you made the switch or March or whenever it was when you made the switch. I said, you looked sickly. Hmm. You looked pale. You didn't have a strong voice, like meaning vocal cord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, now you've got color. I said, you have you know started, because she also looked extremely thin, like sickly thin. I said, you, you've, you look... You know, yeah, don't, better. Don't, don't say that. Right, dude. but you what look. Are you, what but, are you saying? Right, right, moment? but you, but you look better, and like, and so, um, and so, I told her that, and she said, she said, look, she said, it's nice, you know, and I don't think I'm talking out of school here, but she said, it's nice where I don't have to be angry walking in to the legislature every single day because from the moment she was elected, even before she was sworn in, she was already catching heat from other de- from. Democrat delegates mm-hmm. up in Raleigh. Well, then I'd imagine if you're going into work every day and you know the Republicans on the other side of the aisle are your opponents, right? That's your, you know, just from a team perspective, right? They're your opponents. You don't want to be walking in and having your own teammates in your own locker room having, you know, toxic relationships with, because then what are you even doing? And that's exactly what it was. I mean, even before she even stepped foot up in Raleigh and got sworn in, she was already getting heat. And she's like, wait, what? I, I, I haven't even gotten there yet. And she's already getting heat. So, yeah, but so she, 
She's she was definitely appreciative. I will tell you this: this is not an exaggeration. I promise you, Pete. This is exactly the two biggest things that took place, other than outside of Trump, Pence, and DeSantis, but within the actual North Carolina party was whether or not the coup against Michael Watley was going to be su- be successful in replacing him as North Carolina GOP chair. But John Kane was the yep. uh, the challenger, and there was a snafu with the the voting. Oh yeah, it yeah. was a disaster. But on top of that, actually, more important, Trisha Cotham was the celebrity, and I'm not joking. Mm. It felt like of the 2,000 people there, all of them wanted pictures with her. So you also uh, mentioned when you were talking with her about uh, she met one-on-one before or after their speeches with former Vice President Mike Pence as well as Ron DeSantis. And I'm wondering, did she did she offer her endorsement to either of them? No, she has not, and she hasn't endorsed any of them. And she's – it's uh, – just a, a wait and see. I think, like most politicians, I mean, I even asked Mark Walker about: uh, Has he is he going to endorse Donald Trump? You know, are you which one are you endorsing? Why would Walker do it at that at this point? Right. Well, before the speech, he might have, right. but and, afterwards. And, and I asked Mark Robinson, you know, who who got the endorsement from Trump, and he no, said, "No, he didn't." Well, that, well, that, right, <laughs> all right. No, right. he did. He right. absolutely right. did. No, I yeah. understand what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, but and, and even he wasn't ready to go on the record yet. For his endorsement with Trump, so I understand that aspect. Um, but yeah, no, she. Uh, so she she did meet privately with dissent, and she was going to meet privately with Trump, but he got there an hour late yeah. and was way behind. So uh, the overwhelming policy she said that she hears all the time at the convention is about school choice, school choice. Um, but the renewed messaging from Democrats. Uh, she said prompted more attacks. Take a listen to this. This was from your interview. Democrats are clearly using me to raise money. I am probably their biggest fundraiser. Um, instead of working on policy and trying to get things done for the state and, you know, coming together to finish our state budget, instead they are planning attacks on me and just little petty political procedure maneuvers. And, that, and that's very unfortunate because I'm here to work to get results done and they just want to play silly politics and that happened last week with legislation that was filed in the Senate which was clearly directed at me Um, and so there's been a lot of hate mail that has started to come back in. So a couple of things right that was the we hate Trisha Cotham Act that they introduced that wasn't the name of it no technically but it was if you change parties then then your seat is vacated which of course that's not going anywhere but it actually exposed the Democrats as being uh, you know, so angry that they they believe that they expose this belief that they think the seat belongs to their party. Once well, you win a seat, then, then the party controls that seat, which is precisely the criticism that she had of the Democrat Party. She, you know, when you had um, when you had the the Mecklenburg County St- Rep- Senate representative when she introduced that bill, and I just I don't know why Natasha Marcus. Natasha Natasha, thank you. It, you know, it's like, well, if you change parties, you should have to give your money back. Well, so my, and I think you and I talked about it. So, okay, so Trisha had stayed Democrat, but just kept voting Republican. Does she not have to give money back? No. Because Natasha actually said in a press conference, Democrats, if you're elected as a Democrat, you're expected to vote a certain way. Mm-hmm. Wait, Literally what? the thing that Trisha Cotham complained about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And by the way, if you ask Trisha Cotham to return your donation, she has been returning the donations from some people. So... When they ask. So um, the other thing she said in that soundbite uh, was about how uh, whenever the Democrats now 
use her as a fundraising tool, in comes the hate mail again. And uh, she said she did expect some of this anger and hate, but not like what she has seen. I did not expect people to be so vulgar, so vile, to come to my house, um, to come to my mother's house, to find my place where I live in Raleigh. My car windows have been busted out. My car has been keyed. Uh, My people spray painted Trader on my driveway and then on my street. And the, the hate mail, I mean, there's probably thousands of pieces. And since Governor Cooper pulled his little state of emergency stunt, which has backfired on him, and he went on the national networks, of course, because he's looking for his next job, um, I started receiving a lot of mail from Oregon and Utah and, of course, you know, New York and New Jersey. I was not aware of the extent of this stuff that was happening to her, and I haven't seen this stuff the king of the car, broken windows. Mm. I haven't seen any media stories about that. No, and it's, it's all real. And that's why she has to have security wherever she goes now. And security will pick her up at her house and drive her to the state legislature, you know, to the to the Capitol to do mm-hmm. business and take her home because of that. And it is it has gotten to the point where she read me some of the emails. And the only way the emails could ever be read was if we were on SiriusXM. Yeah. Look, it, it yeah, is you, the, yeah, the, the FCC most vulgarity. vile, the most vile, like, anti-female. Like, it was just, uh, and just unbelievable saying, you know, on your way home, I hope you hit a telephone pole and die. Mm-hmm. You know, your children will be better off without you. I mean, just stuff like that. And it was, and she just started reading. She goes, oh, here are the ones from today. And there were like 10 just emails. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and people who work in uh, conservative talk radio, uh, <laughs> yes. we can yes. we can sympathize. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, I've had uh, my home address spread uh, too many times to count now on Twitter. So, uh, Brett Jensen, appreciate it. Listen yes, tonight. You've got a special interview, exclusive. Haven't heard the guy's name in a while, but you're going to hear it tonight. Have you already said? Yeah, I okay. messed it this morning on both. So, yeah, Mark Harris. Mark Harris, who uh, was caught up in that national scandal um, of election fraud back in 2018, 2019, here, you know, District, what, 9, I think yeah, it was? Yeah, it was the 9th District at so, the time. So, yeah, that's, um, so he did one of his rare interviews, and I was the only one he spoke to, so we're going to play that interview. And we talk about 2018, 2019, and potentially running for Congress again. Listen tonight, 7 o'clock, WBT, and get the app. You can listen uh, online. It is a free app, folks. All right, uh, Brett, thanks so much. Appreciate it, man. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items. From modern tactical gear to historical collectibles, Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Uh, on the topic of the uh, the GOP convention, there were two other issues. And then I've got a story here about Democrats who um, 
they've got some stuff going on in their party, too. Uh, a fight over anti-Semitism. I know. Who would have ever guessed? Um, Daily Haymaker, Brant Clifton is his name. He writes at dailyhaymaker.com. And he wrote uh, two different, uh, well, several different pieces about uh, the GOP convention. He talked about, uh, like, there was the fight uh, over the chairmanship. John Kane, who was challenging Michael Watley, but Watley uh, survived that challenge. I think he won by like a two to one margin or something. There were problems with the voting. They were using an app. And then there was there was a apparently allegations that the app wasn't secure or not secure, but um, it wasn't locationally locked down. So people could vote if they weren't uh, at the convention. And apparently you're supposed to be at the convention if you're going to be voting. You can't be voting from off-site. And so there were allegations that people were voting for uh, voting off-site. And there was a server crash when they opened up the uh, the balloting at one point. And so then they had to uh, they, they had to get like they tried to get paper records. There was a big fight about paper records and you know allegations of misconduct and such. And so it all got uh, from what I have heard, it got settled. But I'm not so sure. But that's Party politics. So that was one fight. But there's another thing that uh, Brant Clifton mentioned here regarding Watley. There is a Guilford County GOP activist named Clark Porter. And Clark Porter was one of the people who filed a complaint after the 2016 election that Roy Cooper won. Remember, there were complaints about election fraud and problems by the Pat McCrory campaign. And Porter told us he was one of about three dozen party activists that were encouraged by the McCrory campaign and the state GOP to sign their names to vote fraud complaints. Unfortunately for Porter and the other activists, many of the complaints have been struck down or found to be without merit. Leftist groups moved in and filed suit against the NCGOP complainants on behalf of those originally accused. The court action got started shortly after the 2016 vote. It's still apparently going on. And Porter says that the state party leadership was initially good for their word about paying legal bills for these voters that are being sued. But that started to change. And Porter says it changed when Michael Watley took over. And... um, Team Watley initially said hopeful things about continuing to fund everyone's lawyers. But then Porter said the situation suddenly took a drastic turn for the worse. He says, quote, we were told the whole thing was a legacy, embarrassing situation that needed to go away. So now Clifton writes they are on their own. But the liberals have an army of paid for lawyers that are going after these people to the tune of millions of dollars. Um. Porter noted that uh, he's left to face an army of leftist lawyers with no legal representation for himself and facing a potential penalty up to $5 million. Um, He eventually found another attorney to help him. Uh, He said he began to see some success in the courtroom, but the Watley-led state party was balking at even paying his attorney one dime and uh, that the state GOP counsel has approached him with an attempt to settle the matter. And it offers to pay him $25,000 for legal fees, but he says he's already spent more than that or he owes more than that. We'll keep an eye on it. So the North Carolina Republican Party had their convention over the weekend. 
We covered some of this yesterday, but uh, the the delegates voted to censure U.S. Senator Tom Tillis. And uh, not to rehash all of that, but uh, I did get an email on this, and so I'll address uh, the points raised because I said, you know, when it comes to this censure motion, that was like approved two to one. Is the juice worth the squeeze? And there are going to be people, obviously, that come to different conclusions on that. Um, my Hot take is that it doesn't really matter. It gives everybody a little bit of what they wanted. It does. Like, everybody can spin this to their advantage. Um, There isn't really a downside in doing so, except that you get criticized by people that you don't really care what they say about you anyway. So uh, I said, you know, for Tom Tillis, he, uh, he can then use this as proof that he can negotiate and make deals with Democrats. Democrats will look at him and say, wow, you got censured by your own party, right? For working with us. So that that makes him more of an approachable figure. Media loves it because they get the headlines, right? That now becomes the story. Also, it shows the hypocrisy of the Republican Party that is at one time celebrating uh, Trisha Cotham and on the other hand, um, you know, censuring Tom Tillis. One who says, I want to have a, a autonomy and I want the freedom to go against my party on certain votes and so I'm going to leave my party and go over to the Republicans, and the Republicans are like, yes, that's an awesome position. And then you got somebody on your own team that says basically the exact same thing, and you censure him. So now the Democrats get to claim that you're hypocrites, so they get a little bit of a win there too. The, the party uh, grassroots and the activists and the volunteers that are mad at Tillis for, uh, for trying to cut deals on – immigration and going against Trump on the border wall at first before he flipped his vote, uh, and then the red flag gun laws and such, which, by the way, if you're mad at at um, uh, Tillis over the red flag gun laws, um, what about the bump stocks? Like, I heard Trump mention that during his speech about how no one loves the Second Amendment more than him, but he got rid of the bump stocks. He, he banned those things, didn't he? If I remember correctly, I just... I'm just wondering, like, how many planks out of the platform do you have to discard before you get censured by the grassroots? So anyway, um, everybody gets a little bit of something because the grassroots gets to say, look, we we sent a message. And so this is what Greg uh, responds to in this email. He says, yes, uh, on the censure of Tillis, the juice is worth the squeeze. Squeeze is only possible if two-thirds of those voting agree making it a very popular position in the North Carolina GOP. Right, so they had to clear the two-thirds mark in order to get the censure, which they did. So the Jew says, okay, potential field of folks to replace Tillis, you have that party backing to try to primary him. That's the message that the juice, that's what the juice in this analogy is. Is the juice worth the squeeze? So you got people, two-thirds of the party that's like, hey, we'll back somebody else. I don't know about where the donor money is on that, but I'm not a member of the Republican Party, so I don't know. Um, But so this could send a message that he's ripe for a primary. Another juice is we actually care about certain things. We told you and you worked with the other side to do the opposite. So you stink. Juice is worth far more than rolling over and taking it. More GOP state parties need to clean house. Tillis did great work in taking back the legislature. Good job. Then you went to the swamp. Found it was a hot tub. Congrats on cashing in. 
But screw you, we are done. Bye. The lamenting that this helps Democrats in messaging or encourages him to work more with the opposition. How so? He already defied a state party. He would have anyway. It's totally worth it and needs to happen more often. Realignment of the parties. Ahoy. So I thought I explained this yesterday, but um, it's not it's not lamenting that it helps the Democrats. It it does help the Democrats because it confirms what they believe and what they believe is that Republicans are hypocrites and you've given them a real solid piece of evidence that you are right because you you celebrate Trisha Cotham coming over and and doing so for the stated reasons of wanting to be her own woman and vote her own conscience and you said we have a big tent here in the North Carolina GOP And while you're welcoming her in and treating her like she's a rock star at your convention, you're censuring a Republican, right, for not aligning with all of your values. That's hypocrisy. That's a double standard. I understand. I'm not not trying to insult anybody. But that's the argument that Democrats are making, and it confirms their prior belief. That all Republicans are hypocrites. The party is full of hypocrites. That Trisha Cotham didn't really do what she did for the reasons that she stated. That there's some sort of deal going on, right? And it spins out all of this other stuff. And um, it allows them to keep hammering away at the at, at all at all Republican candidates because of that argument. Now, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter outside of Democrat circles, but it does help them. In their messaging, it encourages him to work more with uh, uh, with the opponents. Right, because if he's going to get censured anyway, screw it, especially now if he's not going to run again, if he's worried about a primary. Now, now the, the, the doors are open. I can work with whomever I want. Right now, it doesn't even matter. Or maybe he thinks I can get some Democrat votes now because I can say I got censured by my party. I, I'm just saying these are the these are all potential ramifications. Anybody who thinks they know how it plays out, how it shakes out for everybody, I think is uh, I think they're misguided. I don't know. I'm just telling you, like these are all the different angles that I can see. So obviously, somebody else can see them too. Oh, hey, real quick before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Um, JewishInsider.com. Story by Matthew Cassell. The North Carolina Democratic Party is currently weighing a series of contentious new platform resolutions that could escalate internal divisions over Israel, just as party members are seeking to unify ahead of a pivotal election cycle. Approval could come in coming weeks. The proposed resolutions, which have not yet been finalized, are largely included in a detailed platform section on international relations that focuses almost exclusively on Israel and Middle East policy. That, according to a recent draft reviewed by Jewish Insider. 
Now, the state party's resolutions and platform committee convened over the weekend, and they were supposed to take up these measures. Um, but I'm not sure whatever became of it. We don't know what happened because there's been no reporting on it and there's nothing on their website about it. The resolutions, well, among other measures that are, you know, maybe going to draw some scrutiny. Resolutions advocate for remaining neutral on whether the best solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is the so-called two-state solution or one-state solution. That position, if it's upheld, would put the state party at odds with the National Democratic Party's platform, which supports a negotiated two-state solution. In a section recognizing anti-Palestinian bigotry, a separate resolution endorses, quote, the right of return for Palestinian refugees to Israel, all but rejecting its existence as a Jewish state. It also calls for the commemoration of May 15th as Nakba Day, the Arabic term for catastrophe used to denote the Palestinian exodus that coincided with the foundation of Israel. So that's what the Democrats got going on. Uh, What else? Um, The General Assembly, um, Senate side, has unveiled a a Board of Elections reform bill. Okay, they want to they want to change the way the Board of Elections is made up. Senate President Pro Tem Phil Berger says it's part of an effort to implement common sense policies that'll increase voter confidence. And it's not just when voters go to the polls. We don't have to look too far back in our state's history to see examples of the current state board of elections acting in a manner that injected uh, suspicion into the election process. During the 2020 elections, uh, y'all will recall the state board, with the assistance of Democratic Attorney General Stein, entered into a collusive settlement with one of the Democratic Party's preferred attorneys to change state law regarding absentee ballots uh, after the elections process had begun and people were actually voting. I remember that. Uh, Their actions back in 2020 showed a willfulness to blatantly ignore state law in favor of pursuing ways to achieve a partisan policy goal. Those actions uh, were enabled by a board that circumvented the legislative process uh, and caused North Carolinians to lose trust in the election process. Senator Warren Daniel, he says the bill is going to increase bipartisan cooperation, at least that's the hope, um, at the state level and at the local level. The new composition of the State Board of Elections would incentivize compromise between members instead of giving members an opening to ram through partisan priorities. The voters of North Carolina should have faith that members of the Board of Elections can work together to conduct free and fair elections without any perception of bias. Additionally, it provides an avenue for North Carolinians who prefer not to register with a party to be appointed to the board. Senator Paul Newton from Cabarrus County said no single person or single party should have exclusive control over our elections, as is currently the case, as the governor makes all appointments at the state and the county levels. I believe we're going to get a diverse slate of individuals who are well qualified to oversee our elections. I also want to underscore that this will allow us to include unaffiliated voters in the process. This is a structure that's similar to the Federal Election Commission. Their board has six members with no more than three members representing one party. 
Because this structure has worked at the federal level, we believe it can work at the state level. He said, we want our election officials to make decisions based on how best to balance election security with the freedom to vote, not based on some sort of perceived partisan advantage. And if you have an evenly split board, members would have to build a bipartisan coalition to advance any kind of policy. It's incontrovertible that we're living in a time of severe political politicization and polarization. Uh, And that affects voters' perceptions of election fairness. When you have an elections board that is controlled by one party, roughly half the voter, half of the voters are going to question and doubt the fairness of the elections, and in some cases, the outcome of the election. So, of course, Governor Cooper and the Democrats, uh, they, you know, take to the Twitter machine and they send out all of the press releases saying, this is going to undermine our democracy and the elections and stuff. Remember, Governor Cooper has sued in order to be able to retain his power to pack the Board of Elections with partisan appointees. That's what the governor has the right to do right now under uh, the law. And this would change that. You would get eight members. There would be an even number, and they would come from both parties in the legislature, Democrats and Republicans. But they don't have to do that. They can also name some unaffiliated members onto the boards of elections at the state and at the local level. The downside on this is that you could end up with tie votes a lot and then nothing happens something doesn't get done also if they can't break that log jam then in certain circumstances like electing a chair and that sort of thing the state could step in and appoint a chair which then of course raises the prospect of okay so now you've you've created the opportunity for a log jam and you get to come in and make the decisions so it's going to be billed as a power play which it, it already is Thank <laughs> you.